What do you have to say about, so I hear, like, I use the term adulting all the time and I'm <laughs> 30 and I'm like, I think I technically am an adult. <laughs> Can <laughs> I still say At this that? point, um, I think. Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends, Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Finding Your Shine listeners, we are back with a brand new episode today with Sarah Merrill, who is a comedian and the creator behind Big Kid Problems, which is a social media platform all about not wanting to adult, which I think we can all relate to. She is incredibly funny and she has almost 400,000 followers on Instagram, which is funny because she did not even plan on growing this social media platform. She just started on off by throwing funny things about her life up on Twitter and up on Instagram. And before she knew it, she had a ton of people relating to her jokes. And she is now a sought after social media expert delivering talks and has been featured on shows like the Steve Harvey show, which we get into a little bit more into this episode. So we cannot wait for you guys to dive in. But something that came out of our conversation with Sarah was the importance of women needing to share their voice. And whether that be in comedy, on a podcast, through writing, through whatever platform that is for you, it's become very, very clear that it's time to drop our fear and drop like this this idea that we're not good enough to share our voice and really start to make it a reality, which is why the two of us cannot stop raving and getting so excited about our Empowered Voice Conference coming up in September. Definitely. I think it's going to be, I mean, I think one thing that we covered in this podcast is you don't have to have it perfect and all figured out and ready to go before you start putting yourself out there in whatever way you want. And like you said, you know, I mean, that can be an Instagram account. It can be a video channel. It can be whatever kind of way you're getting your voice and your content out there. But I know me personally, like I waited, I have waited. I'm still waiting. I like need to practice what I preach. Like I don't put blogs out very often because I'm like, gotta get it just so before mm-hmm. I put it out there. So I'm really excited to just have a day where women can come together and support each other and learn and break down those fears that keep us from putting our content and voices out there into the wellness space and other spaces too. Right. So if you are thinking about this conference sounding like something that might be good for you, we highly encourage you to check out our website and get all of the information on empoweredvoicepodcast.com. And just to be clear, you don't have to be a podcaster. You don't already have to have a social media platform or a blog or consider yourself a quote unquote influencer. This is a, a conference for you to learn more, to get inspired, to hear how other people have been sharing their voice through their platforms and to hopefully give you a little bit of encouragement to start branching out there yourself. Well, I know this episode is going to have you like full of laughs, especially after you go to the Big Kid Problems account on a social media platform near you. Let's get talking (laughs) with Sarah Merrill. 
Hey, Finding Your Shine listeners. We are back with a new and wonderful guest today. We are speaking with Sarah Merrill, who I had the pleasure of getting to meet when I was in LA with Cody um, a few weeks ago. And I just thought that she was hilarious. And she just launched a podcast literally today, the day that we are recording. And we'll get more into that later. But um, I was super excited to have her on the show and to talk about her platform and all of the cool things she is doing. So Sarah, if you wouldn't mind, would you introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know a little bit about who you are and the platform that you have, Big Kid Problems? Yes. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, So I run Big Kid Problems. It is pretty much a funny... It's just like a funny um, social media account all about not really wanting to be an adult. Um, I started it when I was in college getting ready to graduate. And I just started putting up like funny tweets about not wanting to, to like be an adult or not really understanding how the adult world worked. And that has grown into a larger platform um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, a blog, merchandise, and now a podcast. So that's been my channel. But I've also, I I mean, this has kind of become my full time, but I've also been working in social media and, you know, do talks and stuff like that and work with different brands on how to grow a following and all that good stuff. Wow. Did you expect when you launched this in college, like what year were you in college? Just out of curiosity. This was not to date myself, but back in 2011. We graduated in 2011 too. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. So we're good that we graduated literally 2011 was the year we left Otterbein College. Love it. So you had this platform like seven years ago. Did you ever think it was going to grow into what it is now? I mean, you have almost 400,000 followers on Instagram. Were you like, I'm just trying to be funny? Oh my God. (laughs) Or what happened? Never. If you had told me this, like even a couple years ago, even like three, four years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, I started it. I was completely anonymous too, because not only did I not think this would turn into anything, I was scared about getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. Like that was my big concern. So, I mean, it was anonymous. I I did it for fun. And I mean, I still kind of do it for fun. It's, it is a hobby. I always kind of like remind myself, like if I never make a dollar doing this if nothing happens. Like I do it for me. I enjoy it. And I think that I other people enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. And I get some, you know, when people tell me that they can relate to something I posted, I'm like, that's that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Did you have like a I don't know if it was like a gradual escalation to where you're at now or if you had like there was one post or one tweet that like did it. Like, like it did went you go insane. viral? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's the story? It's so funny because people ask me that a lot, especially when I'm working with like brands or people who are trying to grow an audience. They're Mm -hmm. like, where do you get that like one thing that's going to skyrocket you? That has not been Mm -hmm. my... I mean, let me back up and say there have been a few posts that I've had that have like done really well and I have gotten a jump in followers, but it's like, Nothing what you would expect. Like I've never had my like yodeling kid moment. Yeah, like, you know that like yodeling. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm waiting the to have my yodeling kid. Right. The kid, yeah, I love that guy. Well, kid. Yeah, uh, who doesn't? Yeah. But like that, I've been building a platform for eight years, and it's been a very steady growth, like small snowball effect of followers, and then like yodeling kid comes out and has like yeah. eight million out. Like that has not been my experience. It happens for some people, but I think for the majority, it's usually closer to mine, which is like, you just have to be consistent Mm -hmm. and slowly and surely grow. Where do you get your inspiration from? Like, I feel like, cause Nina and I have been talking about wanting to post like more 
funny things just sporadically throughout our feed. And because they've been surprisingly doing really well. Like when I yeah, see something like funny on Instagram, it, I just regram it. And I'm like, our whole Finding Your Shine community likes those way more than a picture of just me and Liz. <laughs> so I was like, we need to be more witty, Liz. But when she, she's like, hey, how easily do you think you could come up with like some witty things? Because I guess I got deemed the funny one. I don't know. She definitely um, was the funny one. She, I was like, how would you possibly come up with or like, how do you find or look for inspiration like on a date when that's your account is like constant funny. I feel like I would feel like I have made the same commentary or jokes or observations like all the time. You definitely would though. Like you'd be surprised. I mean, that's where it comes from is just like my day-to-day life. And if you're like, if you're looking at things with through a funny lens, like I think you'd be surprised at how many things that you can come up with. Cause like things happen all the time that you can kind of just joke about like, you know, coffee in the morning. Like, if you if I don't get it like early enough, like there's just so many. There's so many little things throughout the day, and it's just you kind of think about it as like something you would tweet your best or tell your best friend, like uh, in a text yeah. message. Because that is you know, what like does so well. That is true. Yeah. Like when it's it's just something that you say. Like the one that keeps going around that's in my head right now is like. What when people make fun of like my oatmeal with goji berries and like acai and they ask like, what is this? And you're like, well, obviously. Like, it's just like things that people in the wellness world or like you would just joke with a friend about and then you read it on Instagram and you're like, I get that. I relate with that. That's freaking <laughs> hilarious. That's the whole thing. Is it that that is the content that does the best is like relatable, real, like honest observations. And so that can be anything like it. I'm always kind of surprised at the thing, the content that does really well for me is like sometimes I'll like really think of like a witty joke and I'm so proud of it and it does like okay. Mm-hmm. And then I just make like a very general observation and it gets like <laughs> the most likes. But that's what people like. Yeah. That's like people come to come to the gram for. Yeah. I guess moral of the story, don't try as hard and you'll get results. Yeah. Don't <laughs> overthink it. Just and just like throw shit up, you know? Like yeah. can I curse on here? I should have oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Nina decided okay. to quit being a teacher last year. And all of a sudden, the <laughs> Finding Your Shine podcast went from like normal to explicit. Also, so, I love that you just third person yourself. Yeah. We Nina made the decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going yeah. to say my friend, my really good friend, like got a puppy. And she took this video of her puppy just hanging its head out the window. And like the wind was blowing and he just looked so happy. She happened to post it, I think, on Facebook, like just to her friends. And it went viral. And her dog now has like 15, it got like 15K followers overnight just because it was sticking its head out its win- out of the window and like, laughing in the wind. And I was like, girl, I've been trying to grow my brand for like three years and you stick a picture of your dog, like, uh, you know, in the so car funny. and it goes viral in like a day. It was, a yeah, she was pretty a yodeling kid moment. She, he was the yodeling kid of the dog world. Exactly. Yeah, it really <laughs> was. So I want to take a step back. You were in New York for years and you just recently moved to LA. Well, I I remember you mentioning you did some stand-up when you were in New York. So were you always in this, like, I'm going to do comedy? Or was that even your major, some sort of performance? Or what's the background there? No. 
I, I just, I love stand-up. I grew up watching stand-up and I, I do, I, I mean, I can, I consider myself a comedian because I tell jokes. I just tell jokes on the internet. Yeah. So, I mean, stand-up is just something I always kind of wanted to explore and try out. And just because I love it so much and I could, like, I could spend my life going to stand-up every single night for the rest of my life and like be so happy. <laughs> so I love it. I enjoy it. Um, I wanted to try it. Also, I mean, I I kind of got into stand up too to just improve in in my public speaking. A couple years ago, I I got an opportunity to like be on TV and do a couple like TV things, and I really didn't have like I didn't go you know I didn't go to college for broadcasting. I didn't have really an education or experience on getting on stage or being in front of a camera, and I really thought like a crash course best way to kind of like teach myself was to get in front of a stage and do stand up where I had yeah. to memorize material. I had to memorize content and deliver it because that when you're on camera too, that's like what you have to do. You have to memorize what you're going to say, but you also have to deliver it in a way that's like believable. So stand up, I got into because I love it, but also to kind of like learn and, mm. and teach myself some new skills. <laughs> what was your major? Now I'm curious. <laughs> my major is so it was so weird you guys i i was a political science major that's like liz's wanted, past that's like your listen, what you wish you would have been liz i why why would you want to do no, that she's obsessed with politics i am i'm watching right now actually um the 2000s that just came out on netflix it's like mm. cnn's uh decades documentary and so we're just we're covering iraq and like the 2004 election i'm so nerdy because <laughs> I'm like really into it. And I'm like, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to go watch it again. But Oh no, my gosh, I haven't seen that yet. And and I, have, I, am, it. I have to watch it. I'm pretty big on my Netflix. Like I, I keep up on my Netflix. So I got to yes. add that to the queue. No, when I, so I went to school for music education. Well, I started out as music education, didn't graduate as music education, but we were together in, for how, for a year, right? Yeah. Me and you. Yeah. But before that, like my sophomore year, when I was wearing, Carrie Edwards dog tags around high school, like a true cool person. Like I had a necklace with presidential candidates on it. Oh my um, gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I was like all about poli sci, but I knew my personality and I was like, I'm not like strong enough to take, like someone would be like, you're disgusting. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, I have to go. So <laughs> I'm I like that too. Like, I do not, I can't argue and, no. and, you know, I take like the smallest criticism so yeah. personally. That's why, like I was in that major and I don't, I liked politics and I liked history. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably should have been a history, like more of a history major, but I thought that it would be a better segue into law school. I wanted to be in a, I wanted to go to law school. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like, but it was weird. Like I, I kind of wasted, like I, looking back, I'm like, I should have majored in like literally anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I majored in communications. Yeah, communications would have been great for you. I mean, majored in music yeah. ed and went through the whole four years and I taught for seven years, but now I'm doing health coaching. So I feel like none of us really, I mean, like Liz, you aren't doing music business. That's what you went to school no. for and graduated in. I feel like, like none this, of is us very, this is very relatable to adulting because I feel exactly. like we go into it. Yes. And this we're is like, a big kid problem. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm 18 years old. I already know everything. You can't tell me any different. And I'm going to major in this. And I'm definitely going to have this job for like 40 years. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we right. think. <laughs> 1000%. And I feel like a lot of people have a similar, like, it, I, I hear this story all the time, you know, like, who can pick what they want to do for the rest of their life when they're 18 no going one. into college? 
Literally no, no one. <laughs> I mean, and if you do, mad props to you. But I feel like, is that what your parents wanted you to do? Or is that what you think you should be doing? And then that's just what you've been doing for years and years since you've graduated. I don't know. I mean, like I always knew I wanted to go into music and I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a performer. Those two things. And I still do aspects of those two things now, but I feel like I had no other, I mean, I had no life. I didn't live any life. So how did I know what else I wanted to do besides those two things? So yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to know. It definitely is. It's hard to tell. And I think even like after school, it's hard to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of like the gist of the podcast I have just released today. We talk a lot about that. We're, you know, I've just like, even after you graduate, where you kind of like, at least before you get to that point, you kind of had this expectation of like adulthood that you're just going to like know what to do. And then like you get there and don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of have to try things and figure it out and screw up and learn as you go. Have you ever... That's part of the game. Have you ever thought about... Like you've looked up to your parents or other people in your life as a younger person. And then when you get to be their age, you're like, shit, they really didn't know what they were doing either. Or you realize... Or you realize like, wow, like they... Sometimes I think of older people now. I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm more, way more self-aware than they are. Like, it's just like things (laughs) that you don't realize until you get to be older, like almost 30. Yeah, totally. And I I always look back at my parents or like the generation before us. And I mean, my mom had kids, like had her first kid at 22. Like most of our parents had us when they were so much younger. I mean, we're the first generation that's like really kind of um, gotten a little, you know, waited to to start families. Um, That always blows my mind because I'm like, oh my God, like the person I was at 22, like I have grown so much from that person. And I'm so like, I feel so lucky that I have, I've had these years to be selfish and like completely focus on my life where like parents didn't really have that. Mm -mm. And I think a lot of times, Nina, to your point, like I have to sometimes, sometimes I look back and I look at what previous generations did and it's easy, especially when you look at things like they set us up for lots of student loan debt and other things like that. Not parents. I mean, like lawmakers that are baby boomers. It's easy to look back and be like, how could they have done that? Like, didn't they know? Blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times I'm like, but they didn't have the internet. And I feel like it's so much, it's obviously so much easier to become aware of yourself and mm-hmm. learn things and explore when you have like That's so the true. world at your fingertips. Yeah. Because like if you grow up in one spot and then you go to like school in one spot, like you don't know what's really out there unless you do a lot of traveling or like you go away for school or you travel like for your job or you meet new people. But yeah, like the internet, it brings us to all of that so easily. So I guess that's a good point to like bring to your attention. Totally. I want to know when you first were like talking about these big kid problems, what were some of the first things you were complaining about? Do you even remember like as far as college and are they the same like, now? goes back I remember. Then? You do? Okay, share. Because I'm very curious. Uh, my biggest one. So like, I, I mean, I started in college and, but like for me, like big kid problems got real. Like right when I moved to, I moved to New York right after I graduated, like with no job. Mm-hmm. And no real money. What made like you I move to New it. York. I always wanted to move to New York. Um, it was just my dream. And I had an internship. I got an internship my junior year of college and I spent the summer there. And it was like the most transformative summer of my entire life. And like 
I went back to school my senior year. I remember like hysterically crying, leaving New York to go back to college for one more year. And I like couldn't fathom like leaving. Yeah. So my whole senior year, I was just like, all right, like I I spent my whole year like getting ready to move to New York. Like I worked like my whole senior year. Everyone was like partying, going crazy. I worked like four or five days a week, mm. saving up money. Like I spent my spring break of senior year like going to New York on interviews. Like my whole wow. time, I was like, I'm gonna go to New York. So even with all that preparation, I mean, I got there and I had like five grand in my bank account, which was like more money than like I had ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And you know, in New York, I was, that really gives you like three months, yeah. you know, to yeah. figure it out if that. And so my, when I first got there, like my biggest big kid problem and like a lot of material was really about like work, getting, finding a job or like not having a job or like working crappy jobs and money. Like money mm-hmm. was my big, and like being so broke because like, I can't even like, I tell people like I was really broke when I moved to New York and like, I don't think that they understand like <laughs> how broke I was. It's like, I was literally li- living on dollar slice pizza for like, Two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So those are my those are my big big struggles, and then obviously, like as I, I mean, all the other things like relationships, being single, like mm-hmm. um, you know, once I got a job, like hating that job, or like messing up, and like waking up late for work, like all of these things, like kind of came with just it. Honesty but... on the internet, you were just because I think it's easy to be like, oh my god, she lives in New York, like look at her, and you could totally paint that image right on Instagram of like, here I am in New York in front of the brownstone, like whatever. But then you're just putting on blast. Like actually I'm eating dollar pizza and I am late for work this morning. And like, and I spilled coffee on myself. So you were just like putting that on blast for everybody to relate to. Totally. But it's funny because like, and I'm trying to merge these a little bit better now. You know, I've always had my big kid problems account, but then I've always also always had my Sarah Merrill account, mm-hmm. like my who I am as a person. So it's kind of funny to see that like those juxtapositions because like my Sarah Merrill account was very much like I'm in New York living this glamorous life <laughs> yeah. and look at this party I just went to and everything's great. And then I'm big kid problems. I'm like everything sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny, but yeah, I totally like both yeah. sides were there on the internet, but it's interesting right. what people relate to, right? Like everybody wants to know the back end or everybody wants to know, like, I see you, I hear you, I'm going through the same thing. Right. It's That's interesting. kind of like the gist. Yeah. I feel like they want to know the back end, but not too much of the back end. Like, I feel There's like if you, if you have... Like, I wonder how things would have been different if on your Sarah Merrill account, you're like, hey, guys, here's my 356th day of dollar slice pizza. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, I wonder if they or if they would have been like, dude, she needs to stop complaining about being broke. Like, it's interesting how when it's like an anonymous account like that where you don't really see a person, I feel like you perceive it differently and judge it less than if someone yes. starts to get really real and raw mm. on their personal account. Totally. And that's kind of like what's great. Like that's why I had that account. And no, but I I kind of agree with you. Like having a, an account that's not a person and just like, I feel like I got away with saying so many other things. Mm-hmm. And that kind of come, came back to being scared about putting a lot of these things on my personal social. You know, I had a job. I worked for companies. Um, yeah. I had clients. I had other things going on. So 
yeah, I, I, I couldn't really put the real truth out there on my personal, um, even if I had wanted to. It, that's that's kind of the beauty of having an anonymous account. So when you ended up getting, like you were on the Steve Harvey show and how did that even come about? And you've mentioned like you had no training to go on these shows and that's why you started doing stand-up. Like, was that just, did somebody reach out to you? Like, how did those opportunities arise? I have to give credit to my girl, Lindsay Hubbard, Hubhouse PR. One of my one of my very good friends in New York. I started my career out in, in PR in New York too. And we worked together. She kept with PR. She did she's amazing. She's a publicist now and she has her own PR firm. But when I was growing Binky Problems a little bit more, she her and I had a couple conversations and she's like, you know what, I think I could help you. Like you're not really doing any PR for your account, but you know, maybe I could help. So she, uh, around the time I was launching my merchandise on my website. And so she's like, let me just send out a couple like media blasts and see if anybody picks up. So she um, sent out a blast to her media list about Big Kid Problems. And a producer from Steve Harvey was like, whoa, I follow that account. Like, that's, oh, a, that's there's so, a person there? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, oh, there's a person behind that. And and anyway, that's kind of how it, it got started. And um, that producer really took a chance on me. Um, I had to do like a, a, a video test because there, you know, I had no like TV clips to show her or anything like that. But like Lindsay, literally I came to Lindsay's office and like we shot a video of me against a white wall giving social media tips. And we sent that in and long story short, they okayed me to come on the show, which was nuts. It was like the craziest. Were you thing nervous? Ever. Were you like, holy <laughs> shit, here I go. Nervous is like the understatement <laughs> of the world. Uh, uh, it was like, it was so scary. But also, I mean, at the time, I also had to project that I was very confident mm-hmm. and professional. And I do this all the time. Like, yeah, I'm a social media, you know, I'm a social media expert and TV personality. Like, this is normal. Yeah. So on the outside, I really had to keep it together. And on the inside, I was like, dying. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I don't know if I could have hidden. I don't have a poker face. Like, kudos to you. <laughs> They would have been like, Why I mean, are I've you never white? done anything so like white. that before. <laughs> I had to, it was, I surprised myself with how much of a poker face and I have put on in, and I've, t- I've talked about this since then, but like faking it till you make it is such like a thing. Yeah. Can you talk uh, a little bit to that? Because I 110% agree. I almost feel like me and Liz almost did it with the podcast for a long time. It's like, we're going to fake it till we make it. And I even do it like, every day. Even my transition work. from teaching to um, health coaching and like quitting my full-time job. I'm like, I'm just going to fake it till I make it. Like, and how many other people are really doing that? Like everybody, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And especially like, I think anybody when they're starting something or trying something, like you're not going to be confident. Like you have so many unknowns and you're just like not sure. And that, if you roll with those emotions and feelings, like it's going to show up in your, your, how you perform. Right. So I think faking it till you're making or at least like projecting confidence and, and doing something, especially with, with, Steve Harvey and TV in general, like the more I did these TV appearances where I was, you know, really baking it, like putting it out there and just trying to project confidence that I didn't have, the more that I did that, the more that I did start to feel confident on TV and on camera. So I do think that the, doing that, especially in the beginning um, when you're not sure or not confident and just kind of faking it and pushing yourself forward at least gets you to a point that you can really at least start to start to feel like you've you've actually made it mm-hmm. or at least at least more comfortable than when you started. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest lesson in adulting was around that when I realized that 
like nobody knows what they're doing. Yes. It's a very humbling thing. Yes. Like I remember going to networking events and like I meet people and there'd be someone talking and he'd be like, you know, I work to maximize the success of businesses who decide to venture. And I was like listening and I was like, I think he's just saying buzzwords. <laughs> like, I think he's just throwing out garbage and it sounds good. But like kudos to him because he delivers this mumbo jumbo a lot more confidently than I do like what I feel like I know about. I think Mm -hmm. like seeing a lot of people in those positions kind of make stuff up. I was like, we're all just doing it. So you can make up stuff, Liz, if you want to make up stuff and (laughs) join that party. (laughs) And Liz, like what you were saying earlier about, you know, that we have the internet. I mean, that's like such like a tool that our generation really has that our previous generations didn't have. I feel like I've learned that lesson by listening to podcasts and like listening to other people tell those stories. Like I feel like I've heard so many other professional or really powerful people say that too. Like they said that they're still faking it till they make it or they say that they're still nervous when they get up on a stage. So Mm -hmm. I feel like hearing that from other people has really helped me in just, you know, doing that. So I, I totally agree with you. I've noticed that just being in this world and like, of course, with my husband's job and he produces like podcasts and all of these things, I get to meet really cool people. And when I meet them on person, like, I mean, like even you, for example, like they have so many followers on Instagram and then you meet them in person. You're like, oh, you're a real person. And you also <laughs> have real struggles and you also are down to earth and you're so kind. I mean, not everybody's going to be that way, but you realize that we like hold people to these uh, standards and we put them on a pedestal and we think lesser of ourselves when really like those people are just owning their confidence and they're also just like busting through fears one step at a time. We have the ability to do that too. I think that it's like, even when you talk about somebody like wanting to quit their full-time job, like as simple as that goes, like, oh my gosh, you quit your full-time job. How, How did you do that? I could never do that. You could actually, you just have to be okay with feeling uncomfortable, I think is what it comes down to. You have to be okay with like feeling your fear and working through it. Yeah, for sure. And I do, I agree with you and seeing other people do that is I think really helpful because when you see other peers or other people doing those things that maybe you want to do, or maybe you're curious about, but you're not sure that you can, I think when you see other people doing it, that it, it becomes a possibility for you. Right. You're like, if they can do it, I can do it. It builds your confidence for sure. What do you have to say about, so I hear, like, I use the term adulting all the time and I'm <laughs> 30 and I'm like, I think I technically am an adult <laughs> Can I still say at that? this point, um, I think. But what are your, like, what's your response to, I've seen a lot of, like, you know, commentary shows or whatever where people are like, millennials these days, like in my day. You know, it was just part of living. Like, we didn't think it was great that we knew how to write a check and fill it out appropriately. I feel appropriately. like you sound like, like 80-year-old Rosemary right now. <laughs> like, she has a very specific voice for her mom. Like, whenever she talks about her mom. And, like, you just <laughs> took your mom's voice and aged it by 40. Like, that's exactly what you did. My mom's going to love that you just did that. Because by saying 80-year-old and aged it by 40, you've just said oh, she's yeah, 40 Rose. years old. She's going to love you. <laughs> yeah. Rose is young for sure. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Keep going. No, but I mean, I feel like it's like I hear a lot of pundits or whatever saying like, you know, they think all these things are great that they're doing. But in my day, it was just like part of life. Why are they so proud that they're adulting? Like, do you ever (laughs) roll your eyes at those people and just have opinions? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that everybody has felt this way or kind of still feels this way. Like, 
I had a conversation with my grandma, like explaining to her like what big kid problems was because she's like, <laughs> I quit your job. <laughs> like, Did I'm you concerned. video this? Because yeah. I would love to watch. Yeah. And I like explained to her and she's like, yeah, like I, I still have big kid problems, you know? So I think everybody, I think everybody of every age has it. We just have like adulting as a term. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> also, imagining your grandma, I don't know who she is or how old she is, saying like, I have big kid problems too. <laughs> like it's very endearing <laughs> to me. Like, I have to guess. take my Metamucil. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Graham, shout out to grandma. She's the best. And this is actually funny. This is around the time I like launched my merchandise and she was my first purchase. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she bought a mug that said too pretty to work. Stop. <laughs> Does your grandma use the internet? Because my grandma is um, from Italy, like legitimately didn't come here till she was like 25. She doesn't own a cell phone and does not know how to use the internet. Yeah, well, this is also really cute. Like my grandma was a librarian for years, <laughs> um, for a really long time. So she had to use the internet. Like she has like a Ooh, dial-up she's modem. OG. But like she crushes, <laughs> yeah. like she knows, you know, like it might take her an hour to like get to Google yeah. and Google one thing, but like she can do it. Oh my gosh, I love your grandma. And I feel like my goal in life is to meet her one day. She's <laughs> the best. I have two, I have two great grandmas. I can't hype up one grandma yeah. and not, not the other. Yeah. They're both. Pretty rad. I mean, grandmas are pretty great. So you're <laughs> not in New York anymore, though. Now you're in LA. And so what was that transition like for you? And I mean, you were so all about going to New York and living in New York. And now you're not there anymore. So can you talk a little bit to that? I know, man. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how things work out because when doing this podcast that I just launched, I feel like this transition put me right back to where I was like in my early 20s, like when I started big, like when I started Big Kid Problems, because it was such, it was like, I felt like I had a flood of Big Kid Problems all over again because I had to basically start over. Yeah, the transition was hard. Um, you know, people ask me like why I did it, but uh, long story short, I mean, I never thought I would leave New York. I love New York. My best friends are in New York. Like my, I, I literally enter that city and I'm like a happy mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd leave, but I, you know, I, I met a guy. I met a, <laughs> my man. Big kid in problems. You meet men. Yeah. <laughs> you finally find <laughs> them. Screw everything up. No, yeah. he's great. We dated for a very long time, and his business is in California. So he had to go back to California. I mean, we did long distance for like two years. So I was like, I had my feet in the ground in LA and I was like, I don't want to leave. Yeah. I was kind of hoping like things would like shift and he wouldn't have to be there. But it was looking like he's going to have to be in California for a few years. So, you know, I kind of had to make that call. Like, I love it. And my people are there and I can always go back. I can always visit. I, you know, my relationships really, my big thing for New York is my relationships that are there, like mm-hmm. the people. And those aren't going anywhere. So I'm like, you know what? We'll try a new adventure. I'll go out to California and see what it's like. So I've been here for about seven, eight months. And yeah, I mean, like everything is different from LA to New York. Like even, you know, I'm used to like walking around, getting everywhere on foot. Everything takes me 10 minutes to get to. In LA, it's like everything takes you an hour. Yeah, because the traffic, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so it's just it's a lifestyle change, but I'm I'm actually now at first I was like, oh crap, did I make the wrong call? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was hard, but I'm now starting to love it. Do you have jokes going out about that 
part of your life yet? Are you like too personal and too close to home? Like, do you have to wait a certain amount of time until you share your big kid problems? Or do you just like, boom, there they are? You know, that's actually a really funny question because normally like whenever something happens, I immediately make a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't really made that many jokes about it. And I, I I still like, I think it's a little bit too painful just yet. Like <laughs> yeah. my breakup with New York City, like I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, Maybe soon, but I haven't found the humor there yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you done any stand-up in LA? Like, have you explored that scene? Um, it's, I haven't really. Um, I've met a couple, I've met a couple awesome stand-up girls that are like trying to get me out to do it. New York is such an, it's such like a different place to do stand up. It's so easy. Um, where I, I lived in the heart of Greenwich Village, I mm. had ten comedy clubs in a square block for me that I could just walk into and like not plan for. LA, it's a little bit different. It's a little. It's a lot. It's actually a lot more intimidating to mm. be honest because there's like less less clubs. People like move to LA to like get their acting career off and like go through that through acting. So it's just, it's not as, it's not as lighthearted, I feel like, as it was in New York where people, I would go to like open mics mm-hmm. and just anybody get in there, you know? So I haven't done it yet. Maybe we'll see. It'll be your next thing then. Like the yeah. next thing you're like, what are we just saying? Yeah. Like going through the fear and just like doing it and yeah. starting a new adventure. I'm like really, in, me and Cody are really into the comedy scene right now, mainly on Netflix, <laughs> like not anywhere cool. But when we were in New York, we tried to go to the cool places like The Cellar and then what's the other one that's like the sister or like the cousin to The Cellar? What's the... I So I live there. Oh, you mean um like right across the, like right around the corner Yeah, right from there? around the corner. Oh my God. What's it called? Um, I can't think of it. I'm blanking too. And I, I literally lived on the block next to it. You so did? I, Comedy Cellar Comedy Cellar is my like neighborhood. Yeah. Club. Yeah. I would go there all the time. Oh my God. Fat. Is it fat? I honestly, I cannot remember. But I do know that Ray Romano just had a special on Netflix. It's really good if you haven't seen it yet. Oh, it was on my list. Yeah, it's really good. And so he did like one set in the Comedy Cellar. And then he walked like around the corner and did his second set at this other place. I can't remember what it's called right now. But um, my point Cat. Maybe. That black missy cat. That's okay, it. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's like not even in my head. But like I just love the scene. And when we were in New York um like last month, we like walked down that whole street. We went to this other bar. It was like something with a grizzly bear. I don't know. And it was Oh, the grizzly pear. The grizzly pear. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done stand-up there. Yeah. We watched like some really hilarious comedians doing stand-up there. And so yeah, we're just that was my like favorite. That was like one of my favorites. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But when do you think you'll ever visit? Well, obviously you're going to visit because New York's like your heart. But do you think you'll go back and do stand-up again when you're there? Yeah, I'm actually going. I'm actually going in like a week and a half from now. And I was thinking of of jumping in. And honestly, not even to just like to do... Like I want to do... I would do a little bit of stand-up. But really my motivation is to find more comedians for my podcast. So I was thinking of doing a couple open mics just to like scout out funny people that I want on my pod. Do you have a favorite comedian? Oh man, I have a couple. I again, I'm like a huge. I'm a comedian, uh, like a comedy nerd. People, I, I like always love. I love female comedians. That's mm-hmm. kind of like my jam right now. I'm loving Amy Wong. If you guys haven't watched her special on Netflix, it is hilarious. I'm gonna to put that, that one down because yeah, I don't yeah, think I have. Watch her first one. Watch her first special. The second one is so good too. But the first one is like 
one of those, spe- I watch comedy specials all the time and I can't remember a time where I was like crying laughing. <laughs> and Amy Wong's first special, I was dying. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. Maybe we'll watch so it tonight, good. actually. We don't have a show on the queue for tonight. So maybe I'll, oh, maybe I'll yeah. get that going. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know how you like it. I will. What do you wish people knew about female comics? Because I know there's a lot of like really untrue stereotypes out there that women can't be as funny as men Mm -hmm. and things like that. What do you wish people knew about women in comedy? Yeah, I hate, I mean, I hate that stereotype. Um, It's not true, by the way, in any world. Right. I mean, (laughs) the whole thing with comedy is it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's flavors, you know, like not mm-hmm. everybody likes the same flavor of ice cream and female comedy is its own flavor. Or I, I think like I used to go into clubs too and like it would be an all male audience. And I knew that like my jokes weren't going to go over that well because I have like my voice is mostly female and females are going to relate to me mm-hmm. and they're going to... like I, I tell jokes for girls. Like guys will sometimes think it's funny, you know, like I guys follow big problems and they enjoy it. But like at my heart and at my core, like I'm telling jokes that are relatable to me. And like, that's what I think is funny. And I think other females are going to respond the best to it. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I don't think of female comedians as being less funny than men. I just think it's, men are going to probably, men are probably going to like male comics and you know, it's just, it's different. It, they're just completely different. It's not one is better than the other. It's just like who your audience is. Do you think then kind of like podcasting, is comedy still like a male dominated field? And that's why it just seems like that's what people are saying. Like, oh, female comics aren't as funny because it's more of a male dominated world. Or are you seeing more of a balance now? I mean, there's definitely amazing female comics and that are making strides into it. But yeah, there are, it's more, the comedy scene is more male dominated right now. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to, I think it's evening out, but it's just traditionally been more male. I can tell you from like going into open mics, like and doing stand up around New York, like a lot of the comp, comedians that are testing out stuff for male. Like I would, a lot of the times like there would be like one or two female comedians compared to like 12 to 15 yeah. guys at an open mic. And that's just like what it's been like. I think that's um, That could change. But yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like, I don't know. I don't know what why that is, but that's just kind of what it's like. Yeah. I feel like they say, like I've read things about how like at least in the business world, when it comes to applying for a promotion or applying for a job, like I forget what the exact statistics are like threshold, but like basically men, if they feel like kind of qualified, they'll just jump in and do it or like advocate for themselves. And women are a lot more likely to feel like they have to be 100% or very close to 100% qualified before they jump in. So I almost wonder if it's similar like Guys are like, I can get on a stage and make people laugh. Like I made my friend Joe laugh, so I can probably get on <laughs> stage. And women totally. are more like, oh, I have to like get a really good routine and I have to like meet people. I mean, I don't know what the steps to getting on an open mic stage look like, so I can't pretend to know, but probably feel like they have to check more boxes and be more ready, I would guess. For sure. I mean, I, all I know is from personal experience, I think that that's pretty accurate. So I think that's a, that's a pretty good... Um, way of putting it. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is for all females, but I can just speak to myself. Mm-hmm. I also think that I take criticism harder than probably some mm-hmm. of my male counterparts. Mm-hmm. So putting myself out there on stage and then, you know, like not getting laughs or like 
feeling like I didn't do well, I probably take it harder than probably some of the guys up there that can, if they don't get a laugh or if they don't do well, they just kind of like shake it off and they're like, whatever. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) You know, I kind of take it like personally. I don't know if that's a female thing or a Sarah thing. Like, who knows? I was going to say, I think it is a female thing because even in the coaching world, I find that when it comes down to it at its core, the women that I'm working with, it all comes down to um, like dropping your perfectionist tendencies. And I think like Mm -hmm. we have, I don't know if it's like a generational thing or what, but I feel like we very much what Liz was talking about. Like we want to have everything like in a row. We want to make sure we're ready. We want to like, you know, perform well and do all of these things and be great at this and be great at that. And I think it holds us back. And when it comes to launching a podcast or like going to whatever, like whatever you're trying to bust through a fear with or go up and do a comedy show, it's like you have to just be okay with maybe not having everything be perfect. 1000%. 1000%. I'm actually like currently li- like living that lesson yeah. uh, with my with my podcast that I just launched today and I mean my my boyfriend would tell you like behind closed doors like I he was like you need to get over it being perfect mm-hmm. like it's not going to be perfect you know and it was so hard for me cuz like launching something and something that I care about so much I like wanted to I wanted to deliver this like I had a, the clear vision of what I wanted to deliver and I wanted the finished product to be exactly my vision. Yeah. And in real life, things just don't always work out that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's technical things and all kinds of things and conversations. Like you're, these podcasts are between people. Like not everything's going to be perfect and smooth. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm like living right now too. And and I I know like my boyfriend and like other people who are close to me are just like, you have to like, if you, if you're going to wait for it to be perfect, it's, you're never going to launch it. Yeah. yeah. 100% with anything, you know, with any yeah. project, with anything. And actually the more we talk about it, the more I realize the difference of, the differences between just like masculine and feminine energy. And that doesn't necessarily mean like you're a man or you're a female, but just like the feminine energy is like, we're more emotional and like we have these creative ideas and we want to execute them. But sometimes we need to have more of that masculine, like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to fire it it through and I'm just going to put it out there. And I think it's a lesson. Like Liz, this is reminding me of our conference. Like we, we have a conference next September called Empowered Voice. And it's all about like getting women to share their voice and to put it out there and to not be afraid. And I think like, the work that you're doing and we're all doing is so needed just to build confidence for women, just to like, yeah, put it out there and go for it and everything will work out fine. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's your conference. Like, I, I love that you guys are, that's what you're talking about. That's Speaking great. of just faking until we make it, we're just like, I guess we're putting on a conference now. Speaking, oh. <laughs> Speaking of making love it, it, still come to the conference. It's going to be great, but we're definitely right. I mean, we're gonna faking it until we make it. As we go. Yeah. Um, Amazing. I want to ask a little bit more about your podcast and yes. the people that listen, like what kind of, what's the format like? Like what kind of flavor? What can they expect the episodes to feel like because they listen. It's so funny because I had I had such a clear vision for this podcast. Like I've never worked on something where I was like, I know exactly how I want this to end. Normally I'm like all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I I really like I wanted to I'm a podcast nerd like first first and foremost. And I really found myself kind of like splitting my time between like comedy podcasts and like podcast where I was just like, I wanted to be entertained and, you know, like laugh on the subway and then like my personal development podcast. And, you know, I, I really like like 
if I'm spending an hour listening to something, like I want to take something away from it. Like I want to grow, I want to learn something. So I kind of felt guilty listening to my comedy podcast, but then like sometimes I would feel bored listening to my personal development podcast. So I was like, I just want to be entertained. I have to have <laughs> so- a good balance. I'm with you. Like I need the self-help, but then I'm like really about like Dak Shepard's podcast right now. And just like other podcasts where they're just funny. They just tell funny stories. Like you have to have the balance. Yeah. So that's kind of, I wanted to do that with mine. And then I also like, I have like a pretty niche, you know, storyline. And like, I wanted it to be around big kid problems and like big kid problems is kind of like about career, money, relationships, like being single and just like regular struggles that we all kind of face. And there'd been, there's been so many times in my life, like, you know, where I was transitioning jobs or like going through a breakup or like what have you, or I, I just wanted to create a podcast for like myself in those times. Like I wanted to create the podcast that I wish I had at like 22, 24, 28. And now like I wanted, I wanted something that I, it's really like for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's for like 22 year old Sarah. We relate like, to that. We always say that yeah. we love giving our listeners like inspirational content, but these interviews are for us. Yeah, for sure. And I I do think that like by doing that, you know, you're delivering something pretty authentic because you know what it is you want. And then, you know, hopefully people respond to it and other Mm -hmm. people can like it and enjoy it. So that's really kind of like my motivation in creating it. Each episode, each episode uh, takes a big kid problem. So like one, one issue or one struggle, like whether it, you know, finding a job you like or getting fired or getting dumped or being single, whatever it is. And each episode, so it takes that big kid problem and then I have a roundtable panel of like comedians or funny people and we just like talk about the big kid problem. So it's kind of like meant to feel like friends talking about an issue at a bar. And then I have on... Yeah. (laughs) And then I have on an expert come on after that and then help us actually solve the big kid problem. So you kind of get that mix of like funny, entertaining, and then like actual some like practical tools and resources and like real life um, advice at the end of it. So that's each episode. And um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped, pretty pumped about it. It just launched today as we're recording this. So when this goes out next week, our listeners can already what? Maybe hear two episodes of the show? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm like in that stage. I'm sure you guys can relate to this where I'm just like checking the views. Yeah. Like every five oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, one more person listened to right. it. It's, it's just really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm proud of it. And like if if one person like comes back and is like, oh, I really found value in that or I really liked that episode. Like it, it's just... it. Ugh. God, it would just make it so worth it. That's why we do this, right? Like we're just here to entertain the world, right? Or give right. people, you know, the word Cody hates so much, little golden nuggets. He's like, don't he hates nuggets. say that again. I don't know what, I don't know what inspiration, maybe that's like the word I want to go for. I was going to say, it'll be interesting to see like what kind of fulfillment you get from the podcast versus your social media platforms. Like how they'll both, fill you up in different ways. Totally. Yeah. I think like the podcast is taking it a little bit deeper. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, like, and I've been doing this, I've been doing these like funny little jokes on social media for so long um, that I actually started to notice that I wasn't getting as fulfilled as I was. And I'm kind of at that point in life where I like wanted to get a little bit deeper with my audience and like actually like be like, oh no, but like, this is a joke about, you know, 
getting dumped, but like actually I've been there before and this is real. And for anybody else who's going through this, like let me help you get through it because I've I've done it. That's kind of like I want I I'm I in my personal life and I, I feel like I've just been ready to kind of like be a little make it a little bit deeper. So yeah, and I'm pumped about there's it. something about hearing somebody's voice too that is so much better than just like, of course, Instagram is Instagram and it's there for a reason. But when you get to hear somebody's voice and hear their story and the inflection and all of that, it makes things, like you said, so much more personal and you're able to connect with your audience so much more. So I can't wait for everybody to start listening. If our listeners are like, I cannot wait to like check out this podcast and I want to follow Big Kid Problems on Instagram. Can you let them know where they can find you? Yeah. So I'm everywhere. (laughs) Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as big kid problems. So big kid problems. I can't tell you how many times people are like big, like they just get the name wrong. Trying to put like a Z on the problems. Like, yeah. How does that hard? Right. So I'll have, I have uh, it there. I also have a website, thebigkidproblems.com. And I have every, everything there, like my podcast episodes there or on iTunes, Spotify. If you search Big Kid Problems, you'll find the podcast that way. You can also find me. I have my personal account, Sarah A. Merrill underscore. So I kind of... I post all over the place. So if you find one of those, you'll be able to find everything. Perfect. Well, I just pulled up your Big Kids account to like because I wasn't following you yet. I'm very sorry. Usually I try to follow before we talk to people, but I didn't. <laughs> and I read one post and like immediately laughed. I like oh, saw yeah? one thing and was like, huh. Which one? Which one? I need to share um, it. It was, it said, doctor, what kind of birth control are you using? Me, just my personality. <laughs> <laughs> that is- That's an old one. <laughs> I, I wrote that. I wrote that like... That's actually one of like a, that's an earlier big kid problem that I keep circling back like every two years or so I throw it back up and it always does well. <laughs> like Liz obviously is related. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I cannot wait for our listeners to follow you, listen to the podcast, and just bring a little bit of like lightheartedness and funniness to their day. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. You're welcome. I, for one, know that as we were wrapping up this episode, I was in stitches just looking at Sarah's stuff out there. So I cannot thank her enough for coming on and talking with us and just reminding us that we don't have to have it all together, that adulting is a process, that even your grandma is still adulting. Still adulting. I I feel better about where I'm at in my grown-up process. And I also feel like I have some really funny content that I can go relate to now. So it's a win-win for me. Mm -hmm. I agree. And we just want to remind you before you head off into the world and do your thing that if you are also interested in learning how to share your voice, whether that be writing on podcasts, um, starting a social media account, whatever that looks like for you, we highly encourage you to come and check out our conference, Empowered Voice, which is this September. And you can find all the information for that and the early bird ticket pricing on our website, which is empoweredvoicepodcast.com. Yeah, we really hope. um, I think one of our biggest hopes out of this whole thing is that we will get to connect with some of our amazing listeners that have been there from the beginning and are starting to start their own platforms. Like we would love to meet anyone that comes. So we're really excited about sharing this with you. Yes, we cannot wait. All right, guys, that's all we have for you this week, but we will catch you next time with a new and inspiring guest. Bye. Bye.